Hello, everyone, and welcome to localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Jenna Konar, and you're listening to Job Search Guide, where we interview expert guests for advice on the latest job search techniques. Today, we're talking about avoiding the dreaded overqualified designation throughout your job search process. For job seekers who have extensive experience in their industry, it can be difficult to convince hiring managers that you're excited about what could be perceived as a downward move in your career. So to gain some insight on how to go about this, I'm speaking today with Jerry Herddutcher. Jerry is a national award-winning certified resume writer and a certified career and interview coach for WorkRight LLC. Thanks for joining me today, Jerry. Oh, you're welcome, Jen. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for asking. So we're talking today about being overqualified or being considered to be overqualified. In your opinion, where did this idea come from? I would say the idea of being overqualified definitely came from the employer side of the job search. When you're a job seeker, overqualified means bargain. You think, look what you're getting, all of this experience, skills, maturity, and on the cheap. That's what a job seeker is going to think. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of it, the hiring manager, especially one that leans toward tradition and conventional wisdom, is going to think you're a liability because they have experience with overqualified people who leave as soon as they find work they're qualified for or They get bored or depressed because they're doing work that they feel is beneath them. They might think you'll be expensive because your higher qualifications come with a bigger price tag and you'll expect those to be met. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they think you've been in charge, so you won't want to work for somebody else. And then as a result of that, your manager, who may be younger than you are or less experienced, might feel intimidated and they they might end up not wanting to work with you. And finally, they unfortunately may figure you're old Mm -hmm. and you won't be up to speed on technology or have the energy to do the job. So there's all these reasons that they've come up with and from from their own experience, granted, Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give them that, but they are basing their opinion on decades of experience with candidates just like you. So that means it's really up to you to persuade the hiring authorities that you're going to be the exception to that rule. Great. So in your article, you talk about a few different ways that you can avoid your hiring manager or the manager that you're interviewing with, how you can avoid appearing overqualified. So I wanted to talk about the resume first. How can you modify your resume to avoid being considered overqualified without lying or being misleading? You're absolutely right about not wanting to mislead or lie on your resume, Jenna. Mm -hmm. And besides the obvious ethical issues, there are very practical reasons that you wouldn't want to do that. First, if you land the job, you would always have to live up to that lie. And that can make you very uncomfortable, or at least it would most of us. Second, if you have to lie or mislead to get the position, what do you have to do to keep that position? And will that make you happy in the long term? So there are more things to consider just, you know, more than the ethical right or wrong of the decision. So would you recommend omitting years from their resume? I've heard this for um, mature workers that they may want to 
remove maybe the year they graduated college, or maybe if they've had a job for 25 plus years, they might want to remove the date range on that job. Is that something you would recommend or is that maybe not a good idea? Sometimes that kind of move is useful. Um, There's a difference between misleading or lying to the hiring manager and choosing the most relevant information that supports your candidacy. You're not lying or misleading when you omit information that's irrelevant. You're actually doing the hiring manager a favor. Hiring managers and HR have absolutely no time to search through the minutia of your resume looking for relevant data. They're just not going to do that. If they can't find it immediately, they're probably going to toss that resume. So to answer your question specifically, yes, omit the date you graduated college. Okay. Graduation dates give HR hives anyway because dates that reveal your age open them to claims of bias, Mm -hmm. and they don't want to go anywhere near that. You also mentioned a a 25-plus year position. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit different situation because it's a continuous span of time. So it's not like you can just leave out a six-month position or something like that. Right. The problem with that long a position is that the hiring manager doesn't care what you were doing in 1988. The rule of thumb is to detail positions going back about 10 years. Earlier positions can be listed if they're relevant, but usually even then you do that briefly. It's just too long ago. I think that's really helpful advice to just make sure you're only including the relevant experience from the past 10 years, and then you can always include more briefly toward the bottom previous experience that's also relevant. Exactly. Would you say that a job seeker maybe would want to eliminate certain jobs from their resume that might make them appear too good or overqualified for the job that they're applying for? There isn't really a one-size-fits-all answer to that question. Mm -hmm. A lot of it depends on the situation. It's less about how you appear than, again, I'm going to go back to that word, how relevant that information is to the hiring manager. So. Let's say, for example, the job is within the past 10 years and it's a management position. The job you're applying for is a producer position in the same industry. The problem that you're running up against is that the management position is going to have mostly management information and you're not applying for a management job. Mm -hmm. So what you can do is pull out only the producer information and list it for that particular position. Omit the management information. You can still list the job, Mm -hmm. but then it has the relevant information for the hiring manager. And should you also consider limiting the length of your resume? I know you had mentioned earlier that hiring managers, they don't have time to read through very long resumes, and long resumes seem to be a thing of the past. So is that something you should also be looking to do? Again, it it depends. (laughs) Are you detecting a pattern. (laughs) Resume length depends on a lot of factors as well. An organization I belong to, Career Directors International, surveyed hiring managers a couple of years ago about this very question. And what they found was that if you ask a hiring manager what length resume they prefer, the answer is going to be short. But if you provide a short, well-written resume, and a long, well-written resume, 
many will choose the longer resume as the one they want to receive. So if you're going to submit a poorly written resume, make sure it's short. <laughs> but if you have <laughs> if you have a great resume, you can include more information because you're leading the hiring manager through the reading process. You're keeping them interested and you're really providing that relevant data that they need. So the secret is, again, the relevant data. And I would imagine the relevant data, you would want to transfer that over to your cover letter as well. So as you describe in your article, the cover letter is a chance to explain any downward step that you might be taking in your career, or maybe it's a step that people might perceive as downward. What are some legitimate reasons for a downward step in your career? There's actually three main reasons that people generally consider a job that doesn't take advantage of all their experience and skills. First, they might be unemployed for a long time. And after a while, people start thinking, okay, I just want to go to work. I don't necessarily care if this is an upward you know, move in my career. Second, people decide to have children, take care of an aging parent, recover from their own illness. There are lots of reasons to step back from the career for a time. Maybe you want to pursue other sorts of, you know, you're an amateur musician and that takes a lot of time. There's all kinds of reasons that you might not want to make an upward move. You could also be planning to move to a lower level job as part of a strategy to position yourself for a step up, either when the time is right or when the right company presents itself. So the, those are the three main reasons. And you had mentioned in your article that it, it usually is a good idea to explain your downward move in a cover letter. How can you go about explaining this in a professional way? And should you be very specific about it, or should it be more of a vague statement? It really is a good idea to make an explanation because hiring managers are going to be wondering. And if you leave that out, it, it kind of leaves them uncomfortable. So what I would suggest is in a brief paragraph, this doesn't have to take up your whole letter, mm -hmm. explain the motivation for the career path. You don't have to go into a lot of detail, especially about the circumstances that prompted your decision, because a lot of times those are personal and sometimes they're messy. Mm -hmm. So the main idea is to put the hiring manager's mind at ease that you're not you know, some axe murderer who needs more time for your hobby. <laughs> so you can anticipate the issues with your situation and then come up with your own answers. For example, if your decision to take a downward path is to have more time with your family, a hiring manager is going to worry about whether your time and attention is going to be on your job or your new baby. Right. So rather than talking about how much your family needs you now, you give examples of how well you prioritize your time and maybe your dedication to meeting project deadlines. So you talk about what you're going to do on the job rather than what you're not going to do. And then finally, I wanted to get into the interview portion of the job search. What are some questions that an employer might ask if they do believe that you might be overqualified? Sometimes those questions are going to sound weird. Um, you're not going to run into those same type of questions in other sorts of interviews. They might be things like, are you going to get bored since you'll be having less responsibility? Mm -hmm. Even if you like your job, will you leave as soon as you find other work that you're more qualified for? 
Can you handle the technology with this job? Will you get along with your less experienced coworkers, maybe even your manager? Will you expect the same compensation as a job that you are qualified for? Those are some of the things that you might hear from a manager. Mm-hmm. So how can you go about successfully answering these questions? There's quite a variety of them, but they all kind of point to the same thing, which is, you know, implying that you're overqualified. So how can you go about giving a good answer to those type of questions? First of all, I would advise being straightforward. Use your real answers, not ones that you make up because you think it's what the hiring authority wants to hear. Second, write out your answers. Practice them until you're comfortable with them. Don't memorize them, but just get real familiar with what you, what your own information is. If you have a weakness, maybe computers aren't your strong point. Mm-hmm. Don't just buffalo your way through an answer with, um, I'm working on it or something like that. Actually do something about it on your own time and then report it in the interview. You know, take that class. Do whatever due diligence that's needed. And we always like to give our listeners practical examples. So I wanted to just cover one of the questions you had mentioned, and that was the, will you become bored quickly with less responsibility and want to leave? What would be a good way, um, a good example of how you could answer that question? I can actually give you an example from my own experience. Okay. At one time, I moved from a management position to a producer position actually because I hated managing. (laughs) I didn't tell the editor that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What I did tell him was that I had discovered in my previous position that I enjoyed writing and editing more than I enjoyed managing writers and editors. I felt the, the producer position was where I was most talented and skilled. And in a producer position, I did the things that made me want to come to work every day. I had consistently won awards for doing those things before. So rather than being bored with less responsibility, what I felt was excited to, again, have the opportunity to do the things that I really did love and and that I was very good at. And I got the job. Oh, great. Yeah, I think that happens with a lot of more experienced workers where they kind of want to go back to maybe a more simple responsibility that they enjoyed and that they were very good at. So that's, I think that's a helpful um, response that a lot of people could take into consideration. I would warn our listeners, though, that it's often a bigger problem when a hiring manager won't or can't ask the questions that they're really concerned about. Hmm. The ones like, are you too old? They can't ask you that. Right. What they're really concerned about is, are you going to be able to keep up with everything that you need to keep up with in this position? Or um, will you be manageable? You know, these are the questions that you need to answer, even if you're not asked. Mm-hmm. And the best way to answer those is to give evidence rather than to simply state, you know, that you're qualified. Right. And really, in all fairness, any any candidate, regardless of age, could be considered unmanageable or maybe they want to move on from the position quickly. So it doesn't apply to just the mature workers. Exactly. So as we're looking to wrap up the show, I wanted to give you the floor here at the end just to give our listeners any final words of advice you might have. Maybe they're going into an interview and they're worried about this overqualified idea or they're just looking to revise their resume and cover letter. What final advice would you like to give them? I think the most important thing 
to remember, and, and the, really the key to success as an overqualified candidate, is to understand and answer the hiring manager's concerns. Doing that won't guarantee you a job. I mean, nobody can really do that. Mm-hmm. But it will go a long way to putting the hiring authority at ease with you and with your qualifications, knowing that you've thought through these issues and are willing to address them will increase their trust in you. So hearing straightforward, evidence-based answers will give them the confidence in your ability to, to not only do the job, but to fit in with the existing employees and their company culture. And it also prepares you for the job because you really are forced to anticipate the problems that face overqualified workers in the workplace, not just in the in the job interview and the job search. And that wraps up the show for today. You've been listening to Jerry Herdutcher talk about techniques for avoiding the overqualified designation during your job search. Thanks for sharing your insight with me today, Jerry. Oh, thank you again, Jenna. I was really happy to be here. And if you'd like to share your insight on this topic or a suggestion for another show, email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com or find us on Twitter under at the LJN. Once again, I'm Jenna Konar, wishing you the best of luck with your job search.